Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears. Father, help us to understand what you want to show us in this week's portion. Father, it's so awesome because as we eat of each portion each week, you give us just enough. You sustain us. You give us the things and feed us the things that we need for sustenance for the week. So we thank you, Father, in advance for the wonderful things you're going to show us that we are going to glean from, from your word. May your spirit be with us and lead us and guide us. In your son, Yahushua's name, amen. Okay, so as I said, we're in, you can see that uh, it's a recap. I was tempted to go two different directions today on the Torah portion. The, the last bit of the Torah portion is talking about the, the, the giving the lot of the land. That continues into next week, so I figured, well, I can talk about that next week too. And uh, But I, it's really about what you see in this picture is what's going before them. They are... They're being led. So there's a recounting of the journey of the children of Israel. And I think what, this is what I got this week, is Moses is showing us that God was there leading them and guiding them all of the way. He's going before them and leading them. He's deciding where they go. The the, the cloud stops where he wants them to stop, and this is where they camp. Can you imagine the cloud stopping and you know, two families go, eh, we like it a little better over here on this other hill. We're going to go over here. That wouldn't be very good, would it? God chose where the cloud's going to stop. This is where you're going to camp. And in lieu of all of the wonders that he's done, all of the, you know, Korah and Adab and Abihu, I mean, it wouldn't be a good idea to provoke the Almighty, especially when he's showing you who he is. So that's what we're going to talk about. I want to say welcome to everybody online. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us. And uh, so I kind of told you what we're going to talk about. So let's dig in. We're going to start first in our New Testament portion, which is in Acts 6 and James chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 6 and James 4 first. So here's where we're going to go. There's kind of a theme between them, as usual. So let's see what they say. Verse 7 says, The word of Elohim kept on spreading. Now, what do you think is spreading? I mean, if, if if, if the Torah is done away with, what word is spreading in Acts here after the death and resurrection of Yeshua? So it's obviously the prophets and the Torah, right? This is what's spreading is no New Testament is written yet. So the word kept spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were also becoming obedient to the faith. Priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So this word obedient is this Greek word which means to hearken to a command, to obey, to be obedient, to submit to. The word faith is pistis, which is conviction of the truth of anything. So they were convicted of the truth that Yeshua had come as the son of Elohim 
and that he had sent them him to die, and that he is the word that's become flesh. He's fulfilling what God said would take place through the prophets. They're believing that. And they're showing their faith by what they're doing. And Stephen, full of grace, here's that word grace that comes up just in our in-depth study. It was about grace and mercy, although this is a different word here. This word grace is that word pistis that was back in this previous uh, verse here. Um, full of grace and power, he performing great wonders and signs among the people. Great wonders and signs. Why do you suppose God gives Stephen the ability to perform great wonders and signs? Is it because he's going to show that this man is for me and I am the one who sent him and what's going to accompany him is great signs and wonders, just like Moses, just like Yeshua, just like Elijah. God's giving his anointed, his messenger, the ability to do signs and wonders on his behalf. That's a sign, right? Verse 10, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I want you to note that in this portion here, it's saying that Stephen had both wisdom and spirit. And we're going to talk about that later because it's going to come up in our Torah portion about being led by the Spirit. And we're going to talk about what's some of the keys to really being led by the Spirit. What's some of the keys? How are we led by the Spirit? Because Stephen here, it says what he has is wisdom and the Spirit. That's kind of like saying truth and Spirit. Spirit and truth, right? Wisdom is the truth. Proverbs tells us that. All right. James 4 says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards Elohim? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of Elohim. Or do you not think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He, the Most High, jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. What does that mean? It can be confusing. What does he mean he jealously desires the spirit? He wants our spirit to be submitted to him and united him. He desires our spirit to be entwined with him. He wants us to be yoked. He wants us to be together. He wants us to be woven together like a fabric. He desires, jealously desires that your spirit be entwined with his. This is why Yeshua says, you must drink this cup. We're going to I'm going to intermingle my character with yours and we're going to become one when you drink this cup and you eat this bread. Mark 8 says, But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Hasatan, for you are not setting your mind, your spirit, mind and spirit, on God's interest, but you're setting your spirit on man. How many of you know people can get their spirit yoked and intertwined with what man's doing instead of intertwined with what God is doing? Romans 8, 7 says, Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the Torah of Elohim. Oh, there's another example. The mind, the spirit, should be subjected to God's, there's that 
interweaving, subjected to his Torah. But you know what? It's not even able to do so without God's spirit, without his helper, right? Philippians 3.19 says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Now I got to tell you, we all have things of the earthly kingdom that we have wanted or desired. I don't care if it's a new car, a house, um, <laughs> a certain restaurant. A certain place. I mean, go down the list. You've got your list of the things that you've desired. But we should be seeking God's will in our life. We should be seeking what He wants. And let's see if what we want and what He wants comes together in alignment. How many people do that today? I mean, this is what He's wanting. If He's wanting our spirit to be united and jealously entwined with His, isn't that what we should be doing? Verse 6, but he gives a greater, now we get the other grace word that was studied today, which is charis. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to Elohim, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I like what it says, resist him, because I follow the example that Yeshua gives when he's out in the wilderness and he's tempted by the adversary and what does he do he just quotes scripture look I know you want me to be intertwined with you but I'm already intertwined and here's what the covenant says I'm intertwined with that so take these words put it in your pipe and smoke on that a while <laughs> that's the response we should be giving is, here's what God Almighty says. Now, it's interesting that we would want to give that response and advice to the adversary, but we don't take that advice ourselves when we're thinking about what we should do. What we, I need an answer on this. I need, I need, I need a decision. I want that car. I want this or I want whatever it is. Are we seeking the Almighty for it? Hmm. So the word charis is probably that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness. There's that loving kindness, covenant loyalty. The spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. If you didn't catch the grace study, please go back and get it. Is the grace of mercy was awesome. They did a great job on it. So James 4.6 is talking about the salvation offered to believers is called charis, a gift, and that word gift come up, came up in our study earlier, a gift of divine grace. It's a gift. So going on in James says, draw near to Elohim and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, mind, your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you who are double-minded. What does the one verse say? Um... You are, 
Your, your, your mind is on two different things. It's like this double-minded thing where you're, you have, you're not making up a, a, your mind and you're making a decision on which way you're going to go. God wants us to get, get it right. Find out from God. If you're undecisive, since we're talking about lots, be brave and cast a lot. If you really want to know what he wants, oh, but Brother Mark, <laughs> if that came up the other way, I might have to cast it again. It's not really what I'm wanting. But you know what? If we want what he wants, it doesn't matter, does it? If it's a no, it's a no. Are you willing to settle with the no? And maybe sometimes are you willing to settle with the yes? Maybe you're wanting a no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I know that we had some people speaking for the first time today in the in-depth study. Oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. What does God want us to do? Right? Humble yourselves in the presence of Yahuwah, and he will exalt you. Do not speak against a brother. He who speaks against a brother, and what's interesting is, this came up in the, I didn't know that was coming up. This is just our New Testament portion. But in the in-depth study about grace and mercy, this came up. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the Torah and judges the Torah. But if you judge the Torah, you are not a doer of the Torah, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Yes. It was back a little ways, so I hate to interrupt there it the is. thought you're going on. And it was even... It has to do with this, but it was a back a little far. The one before this one, that it resists the devil. Sometimes we have conversations with people who've opened doors to unclean things, evil, demonic, spiritual realm, and they don't know how to resist that. They've opened a door that they don't know how to resist. They have to trace back to what is it that I've done that I opened up this door because. I need this enemy to flee from me, and I don't know what I've done that I opened it up. And so I think in, in, in this scripture, clean our hands, purify our hearts, don't be double-minded. We need to seek the Father to ask him, reveal to me what it is that I have done, and I need to open it. I need to close this because I need to open the lines of communication with you, right. your power, your spirit, and I need your defense right now. I need to call on you and your defense. I've intermingled and, and woven myself with something I shouldn't have, yes. and I need to untie that. How, does, how do they do that in, in uh, embroidery and all those things when you're going to separate the garment from another? You, you've got to go and you've got to rip it out, right? You've got you to... Separate the two garments. They've been woven, but you got to separate it. It isn't pretty, but you got to separate it because if it's yoked with something that shouldn't be yoked with, it's got to be torn, broken, cut, severed, whatever you want to call it, but you got to do it. So what if James is alluding to the verse that precedes the love command in Leviticus 
It's the one in 1916 that prohibits slander. You shall not go about as a slander among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am Yahuwah. What if that's what he's referring to when he's talking about slander? It's the one before, love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that preceding the love your neighbor? Is it were people guilty in the day of not loving their neighbor because they were doing what verse 16 is telling them not to do? Kind of interesting that they're connected there. It's kind of like the verse where it says, uh, he tells Aaron and, and his, his sons, you know, don't drink alcohol whenever you're going to, don't be drunken, don't be consuming these things because they just got smoked for doing strange fire. You kind of see it's maybe a link. So you look at 16 and, and 18 here and you go, is there a link here? Is there something to learn? I don't know. It was very interesting. Got a couple of hands. getting a little deeper uh, than what you're touching on, but what I take from this portion this week, it talks about the 42 locations in the wilderness. Yes. In those 42 locations, there was a lesson taught at every location. Yes. The parallel in the New Testament that I believe, and it's touching the base of what she said about an open door, the Lord tells us in Revelation, he left a door open for us. For what? because he expects us to enter into it, those of us that are truly seeking him in truth and spirit. Part of the revelation is there's 42 months in our exodus from yes, the nations. Yes. So I'm guessing, I'm, I'm pretty much hoping, that the <laughs> same parallels that we were supposed to learn from from our ancestors that we didn't fully grasp because clearly a generation was judged. It didn't enter into the promised land. The next generation under it did. Well, here we are. If we're the last generation, we should be grabbing that, that knowledge, that wisdom, and applying it to our walk because these are the things that are come up against. I'm sure they're going to come up against us as we walk out our exodus from the nations. So are you alluding to that maybe as our forefathers were led through 42 locations to try to get it right, maybe obviously stumbled and didn't, we're going to get a chance to be the witness and the testimony to walk it out in 42 months to be that witness that we're going to testify that we are the ones interwoven with the Most High. We are the light unto the nations. We are the ones that bringing forth the testimony of who He is. And we're going to walk in that character that should have been done 4,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. Amen? That's a great, great word. Yes. Uh, I'm a bit curious. So I looked up what slander meant earlier this morning, and I don't remember the exact definition, but it has something to do with a spoken, something spoken to damage someone else's reputation or image. Is this verse talking about spreading rumors about other people in that I, sense? I would say d damaging, and I would add a clarification that Brother Gary shared with me. If you don't mind me sharing, or you can share it yourself. So if I get it wrong, you can raise your hand. But So when we're talking about slander, there are things that are true but there are things that are false. And the false things are the real hurt because it's really not about, that's not who they are. It's not about their character. 
So you're spreading something false about them. That's the real damaging character. Gary has his hand up. I, must, I might have missed a step. <laughs> you misquoted him. I think that um, it's, what I was referring to is malicious gossip. Yeah. Malicious gossip is made up stuff about other people. That's a very intense sin. You, you, yeah. If you're trying to destroy someone's character by making stuff up about that right. person. Yeah. Now, if, if you're just talking, is, I think some people take it so far they just won't talk about another person at all. Yeah. And I think that, I think that makes life very strange. You, yeah. you know, you, you can talk about someone, but don't make stuff up. Yeah. You know, don't, don't lie. Yeah. Bring truth. Bring the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. Well said. Okay. So we're going to, yes, hand over here. I think, it, I think it's possible to, to commit that sin with just within yourself and not even include another person. Because if you're looking at someone and you're just assuming something and you yeah. don't have the details, and then you're going to build up this um, wall against that person within yourself. So it's not just a two-way between two people or a group of people. It could be even within yourself. Yep. Well said. We're going to trans transition to our prophet portion, which is Jeremiah chapter 3. If you want to turn to Jeremiah 3. We've got a couple of slides on that, and then we're going to get into the Torah portion. Jeremiah 3, 2 says, Lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see. Where have you not been violated? By the roads you have sat for them like an Arab in the desert, and you have polluted a land with your harlotry and with your wickedness. Leviticus 26, 20 says, your strength, your strength will be spent uselessly, for your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. I put this here because there's a lesson to learn. When we pollute something, it's not going to yield the fruit that it's designed to yield. When we allow, as Polly said, uh, things to come in and we're yoked with something, a door has been opened that's in our life that's not of God, it's polluting something. And guess what? It's not going to produce the fruit that it's intended to produce. God gave them the land to walk in righteousness. When they didn't, the land's polluted, and now the land will not yield what it's supposed to yield because they're not yielding the right fruit. So we have to be careful. You want blessings? And make sure that the right things are yoked to you. Make sure the right things are in your life so that the blessings will come from the right walk. Verse 12, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return faithless Israel. That's backsliding Israel. The Hebrew term refers to backsliding. Declares Yahweh, I will not look upon you in anger, for I am, here's our word again, it's in our portions this week, gracious, declares Yahweh, I will not be angry forever. He's gracious. And what did we mine out of that? Those of you that were in the end of study, what is grace really bringing? What is grace going to bring to the table here? How, what, what kind of grace am I going to see? Those of you that brought the study, someone share. What's this grace going to look like to me or everyone here when we see that he's going to be gracious? What does that look like? 
Anybody want to share? What's that grace going to look like to us? Huh? Anyone? His unmerited gift and kindness and love. So this was, I think we saw that the word was favor, right? Wasn't the grace word for favor? And mercy was a, diff, a different word. Mercy and mercy is uh, what we, Gary has his hand up. So grace is, we see, it was brought out that it was this favor that come, may I, if I have, if I have found favor in your sight, that's this word grace. Go ahead. I'm not sure if this is the scripture. Doesn't doesn't say right after that, but only acknowledge your offense. Yes, acknowledge your offense. Yes. Did you already Did you already say that? I didn't. Oh, okay. And maybe someone can pull it up. Jeremiah three thirteen, I guess, would be the verse that says, "But, but acknowledge your offense." If you want the grace, acknowledge your offense. Yeah. So what I remember from the in-depth study is gracious means, um, Brenner said that if, you, if it's concrete, then it would, be, would mean um, help, refuge. Um, so he would give us help to do what is good in his sight. I'm that guy. I'm sorry. I repent. I acknowledge that I did this. Yes. I was just thinking that Yahushua said, or we're told that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Messiah died for us. Yes. And, and that's an acknowledgement that we were yet sinners. Yes. When Yeshua was ascending, he told Mary not to touch him because he hadn't fully ascended yet. So the reason so, the comforter hadn't came. So when you receive grace, it's the comfort from the comforter. And the only way to receive that is to admit your sin. That's right. And we all need the help, don't we? So we're going to transition to our prophet portion, or I'm sorry, our Torah portion. And we're going to start off, I'm only going to really share probably one or two verses from our Torah portion because it's all about the locations, with the exception of the last end. But this is where I was wanting to go with being led. So it says in Exodus 13, 18, hence God led the people, and that, by the way, Exodus 13, 18 is not our portion, but I'm using that to set up what I want to talk about. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Our portion says, These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, which they came out from the land by their armies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses recorded their starting places, and he did it by the command of Yahuwah. God's the one leading them and guiding them. And they, of course, start talking about they journeyed from Ramses on the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the next day after the Passover. So, are you being led by the Spirit? How many of you want to be led by the Spirit? 
Amen. Bob. This is going to take a little bit. <laughs> Numbers 32 talked about Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh coming up to the Jordan River in the land of Canaan is just on the opposite side. They chose to go their own way. When we look at this Numbers 33, starting of the journey, and that's key, there's 42 journeys. When it started at the Exodus, a lamb was sacrificed. The blood was placed on the doorpost of the house. The blood was placed one time. The body of the lamb, which we hardly ever talk about, was taken in the house and ingested. The blood carried them from death to life. The body was slavery to freedom. It gave them energy. All the subsequent years of the Exodus, or the Passover, there is not blood put on the doorpost, but we eat the body of the lamb. So the body is like the word of God. Yeshua, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So picture that all in your mind. This 42 stops. 40 is a number of testing. But prior to the 40, when you were tested, before you, they left, there's a joy. They're going to be released. There's going to be 40 testings is the number of testing. And then on the 42nd one, they can enter into the land. So there's joy, testings, joy. So think about this in your life. In Numbers 32, it talked about the Shema. If you didn't realize it, it was speaking of the Shema. You want to say anything about the Shema? Well, anyway, in the Shema, on these 42 journeys, it's divided in the first year, there's 14. The number 14 in Hebrew, the letters Yod and Dalit, represents Yod, which is hand. Mark said earlier, he's in our hand, in God's hand. The next 38 years was 20 journeys. 20 is represented by the letter Kof. It's like a backward C. That represents palm. He's still in the palm. The last year, it was eight journeys. 14, 20, and 8. 8 is cut is the number of life. He's in their palm throughout these whole entire journeys. It's the number of life at the very end. Where am I going with all this? There's still more. 42. When you look at the number 42 and you think about that, when you read the Shema, the reason why I said the Shema is hidden in there, which is you can go into 32 and pull out the Shema. When you look at the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you read it in English, you missed it. That's six words. Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Akkad. But then we go on and we read, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and on and on and on. 42 Hebrew words in the Shema, following those six words mm. of recognizing who the Lord is. Mm. He's one, the 42. And we know what the Shema says. And then after you get out of Deuteronomy 6, 9, we write on the doorpost of your house. When you look at it, it starts in the heart. You write on your heart. It's on the eyes. It's on your hand. Then pretty soon it keeps working its way out onto the doorpost. The Lord works from the inside out. He touches in your heart. So now we go into this 42. You're like, I don't see this yet, Bob. 42, if you look at the Torah that's in the ark up there, if you would unroll it, there are 42 rows in each column of a Torah scroll. If it doesn't have the 42 rows, it's not a valid Torah scroll. 
So you have the Shema, the 42 words. You have the 42 journeys. You have the 42 letters or 42 rows in the, in the Torah. Now, how does this apply to our life? When you stop and think, because it, it's weird how it words it. They went to Sukkoth, and he left Sukkoth, and from Sukkoth they went here, and to Ramses, and blah, blah, blah. When you go to tell your spouse, hey, I'm going to go to the store, the bank, gas station, home, you don't say, I'm going to the store, and then I'm going to leave the store. So it's all about the journeys. When you think about the journeys of your life, think way back, and you're introduced to the Messiah, that joy that came, that uplifting on your heart. And as Mark says, we're going to take these 40 journeys or these 42 journeys in our life. And if you plot them out, you'll see in some cases they go one direction, but the Lord brings them back. How many times in your life did you make a mistake? And the Lord says, no, 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 no. You want to go away from that. I'm going to bring you back, and we're going to make that right. So picture Mark. Mark's not Moses. Picture Mark up there. Mark, like Moses, is leading us. Picture Canaan as being the Torah up there in the ark. We all are traveled through our life. Picture where you're sitting right now. And you see that ark with the Torah in it, and that's Canaan. Are we going to be by Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh and not cross over and enter into his word? Or are we going to sit where we're at and choose to go our own way? Because then you look at Proverbs 6, 8. Excuse me, Exodus 6, 8. And I will bring you to the land which I swore to give you to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. But then you read 9. So Moses spoke this to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. When you read that in Hebrew, it's because of their shortness of spirit and their desire to do their own thing. Mark is taking each one of us. He's leading us to the Jordan River. He is presenting to us the Torah. Are you willing to say that you are going to accept the Spirit and cross over that Jordan and enter into his word? Are you going to go your own way? Hmm. That's what's in this Torah portion of the 42 journeys. It's our life. The land of Canaan is right there. But are we going to have the Spirit and enter in? Are we going to choose to be Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh and go our own way? And we talked about Gad and Reuben last week on their choosing a different place. So the 42 is 1,290 days. Uh, and um, Bradley alluded to the, uh, because we're going into the wilderness for that dur duration where he's going to uh, nourish us into this place during those 42 months, those 1,290 days, which I believe is the first part of or halfway through the whole seven because the 1290 and the 1260 are exactly seven years. Gary. So oh, one other thing. So basically the Vahafta is the 42. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important. You were talking about being led. In Exodus 23:20, it says, For behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way. Obey his voice and provoke him not, for it's not within him to forgive your trespasses. But if you will indeed obey my voice, then he will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary. So it's important part is he's leading the way. He's, he's assigned these angels over us. I think we all have angels assigned over us. 
Now, Gary gave me that earlier, so I did borrow it and I did put it in the slides. So, <laughs> are we led? Some people are led by feelings. I just don't feel it. I'm not, I'm just, I just don't feel like the Spirit is leading me that way. I don't feel this or I don't feel that. Now, I'm not saying any of these are wrong. I'm just giving you examples of how people are, say that this, I'm feeling led this way. I'm feeling like the Spirit is leading me this direction. And that's okay if, if the Spirit, and we get, we're going to look at some things here. There's some things you should be doing to double check and to get confirmation. I don't think it should be just one thing only. So Israel was told to wipe out the Canaanites, but they let their feelings stop them from obeying God. God said, go wipe them out. I just don't feel like doing it today. I, I'm not feeling like I really want to go to battle with those folks. You know, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. Another person comes up and goes, why aren't you going to go get, fight the Canaanites? I'm just not feeling, feeling led by the Spirit to do that. Bad consequence, wasn't it? Not obeying God was a severe consequence. So some are by feelings. Some are led by events. Well, I'm going to look and see if the door opens or if the door closes. That's an event. If the Lord opens that door, then I know it's of him. If he closes the door, I know it's not. Now, I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just running down some of the ways that, that we use we want God to lead us. Or how about, I'm going to put the fleece out on the rock. Is that an event? Yeah, it's an event. So events are another way that people are led by the Spirit. Some use YouTube teachings that may be contrary to Scripture, and they're feeling led to adapt that and take it into their heart and into their mind and say, this is, I'm going to take this as doctrine. So if your discernment is off or you're emotionally attached to something, your spirit has been deceived. Here's the third way, led by Scripture. Now, I would suggest, and where we're gonna, I'm going to end up going with this is, I would encourage us to not just use one of those three examples, to use at least two, but the bottom line is, number three here trumps it all. Verse 10 says in our New Testament portion over in, I believe it was James. No, it was Acts. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. The man had the spirit. He was being led by the spirit. But what else did he have? The wisdom of God. The, the, the word of God was alive in him to give him that second guideline that, okay, I, I know this is from God because it is, this is what he said. And again, Scripture should take priority. I'm going to give you an example. David's carting the ark. And he says, you know what, guys? We need to bring that ark 
It's got to come over here. We're going to transport it. He says, I, I feel led that we should put this thing on a cart. That contradicted Scripture. Had he been letting Scripture dictate the leading, he wouldn't have made the mistake of putting the ark on the cart. Because God says, you shall not do that. It shall be carted how? And so this is an example I want to give you that sometimes we need to look and see what Scripture says about what we're looking to be led by because if I've got a confirmation on two areas and one of them is for sure Scripture or it could be someone's given me counsel and that confirmed, now I've got two witnesses and I can say, I've got Scripture, I've got a confirmation, I might even have a third, I might have seen a fleece. Wet on one side and when there was no do out. So yes, Mike. That... That very act led to the death of a man because when the right. car started to tip, That's he right. reached out his hand. That's right. And he it was, was costly, wasn't it? Yeah. Very costly because, and I'm interjecting here that David says, you know what, I feel like led by the Spirit that we should, or what if he said, you know, um, you know, I, I won't go there. So if he would have just remembered what God Almighty said to do, and it's a great example for us. How are we being led? What are we using? Are we just letting feelings and what I've got going in my mind? And here's a dangerous thing. Am I letting an emotional attachment lead me? Because an emotional attachment is not the right thing to go by. If you're emotionally attached to something, you better get back up from that and, and, and get to Scripture, get to uh, an event, get to something else because you're emotionally attached. And you guess what's going to happen? You're going to make it come about your way. You're going to force drive it into your direction. Yes. I would say that I'm blessed with a, a discernometer, I call it, with Wendy. I am also hobbled with not reading so well. So as far as being able to grab scripture, I would say that if you, if you don't have that gift and skill, you best marry one. And I'm very, very thankful that my wife always takes us to scripture and that I always have some measure of the Ruah giving me some discernment in, in matters. But she will always take us as a, as a couple to scripture. and. One of the scriptures that you touched on today that really is um, not letting go of me at the moment was from Leviticus in uh, chapter 19, 16. And do not slander your, among your people. Do not stand against the blood of your neighbor. And he meant it seriously enough that he put his name on it and said, I am Yahuwah. Like, I really, really want you to not slander or stand against your family. Yes. And when it comes to family, we have challenges internally, what we call family matters. Yes. <laughs> but also, at the end of the sentence, if you look at it in, in, a, in his, I think in his light, family matters. Yes. So that's just something that I wanted to share. Thank you. I want to share one thing about what was said about your counsel. So I'm going to give you an example of how this works. So God creates man, 
And that man is supposed to know that scripture inside and out, like the back of his hand. He's supposed to know that word. And God says, oh boy, I've got something going really good here. That man's going to know what I said. He, know, he knows what I've told him. He's memorized it. Just like Yeshua and the disciples, they're walking. They've memorized the word. They know the word. And he says, I'm going to take a rib out of that man, and I'm going to give him another witness. I'm going to give him a counselor. I'm going to give him some discernment that's going to confirm that scripture, that word. And now he's going to have a confirmation with what I've already said in my word. So now he's got something to back up what he has said. And so, yes, if both the husband and wife are walking in accordance and unity with the word, then you've got this perfect, awesome thing that's working in the two of them that there's a check and balance going on. And if it's done right, if it's done that way, humbly and seeking the Father's will and his will only, not your own, and you're willing to say, I, I, I may be wrong and I, I want to submit to what God is leading and directing here. If, if the man's got the scripture, she's got the discernment, sometimes it can be the other way. Sometimes it can be the wife has the scripture and the husband's got just incredible discernment. But God's giving a double witness. He's giving this check and balance going on between the two. And you know what? If one is opposed, it ain't right. If both aren't in agreement, it just ain't right. And for one person to push their will over when the other is not right with it, whether it's scripture or whether it's discernment or whether it's something that the, the Father gave them, it's not worth going into people. Otherwise, we might have the, the ark tipping and someone's touching it to try to keep it in balance. And we've got a disaster coming. So move forward with the right checks and balances. I thought I saw a hand raised, but maybe not. So are we controlling God like others do their gods? Are we controlling him? Saying, you know what? <laughs> I just know it. This is what he wants for me in my life. And really, it was what you wanted. That's how the pagans did it. They manipulated these idols, and they, they, could, do what, they could say do whatever they wanted to because it can't respond. They can't do anything back. There can't be any disaster. There can't be any consequences. You know, David made the wrong choice. And God, what? The real God spoke up and says, ah, it's going to cost someone their life. But the false gods can't do that. We're not to be seduced away from him by a false feeling, a false whatever. It's idolatry. So we need to be careful. Here's Gary's scripture. <laughs> I think this is it, wasn't it? Okay, this, I think this is the one you gave me on the phone. So if a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which you spoke, saying, let us go after gods whom you have not known and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for Yahweh your Elohim is testing you to find out if you will love him and with all your heart and all your soul, or you shall follow Yahweh your Elohim and fear him. Notice the fearing God and following his ways are connected. This is how what fear is. It's walking in his ways. Fear him and keep his commandments. But here's the key. Listen to his voice, his word, what he said. Serve him. 
And going on another uh, few verses down, it says, If you will listen to the voice of Yahweh Elohim, keeping his commandments, which I'm commanding today, and doing what is right in the sight of your God, guess what happens? Wonderful things. So knowing the word to discern his leading is huge. So we must be students of his word. We must know what God has said, what he's called us to do. Seeking and finding wisdom is how we know that his leading is leading us. Proverbs 2, 1 says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to the wisdom, incline your heart to the understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of Yahuwah and discover the knowledge of the Most High. Whoa. You want to be led by the Spirit? Proverbs chapter 2 is giving you Spirit leading 101, God's Academy. Yes. You know, in Scripture, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> that's, and that's a pretty direct thing. That's right. And I often, when I really need an answer to a prayer. I will go to the Father and I'll say, Father, uh, I really need an answer to this. I lack wisdom. <laughs> yes. And you said in Scripture, I shall receive. Therefore, I expect an answer. Amen. I, I mean, I literally put that on him. I know I have the faith. He wants that. That, that he wants us. Yes. That he wants to give me this answer. So I say, I await your answer. And, and a lot of times, it'll come out of Scripture. It'll All of a sudden, the Scripture pops up, and I get a jolt. I, that's the answer. <laughs> or uh, someone will say something. I could be talking to you, and you'll quote a Scripture or say something. And I'll get a jolt, and I'll know, oh, he's just saying, well, here's your answer. Yeah. He's the judge that wants us to quote the, 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 the law. He wants us to say, here's what you said in your law. He wants us to quote it to him. He wants us to remind him. So we also need to seek counsel. And that counsel will confirm his word, or it won't. And if it doesn't, back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. Don't push the agenda if it's not confirmation. So led by the Spirit is having the armor of God on. Ephesians 6.10, Finally be strong in Yahuwah and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor so that you'll be able to stand against, firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, i got to tell you, we need this armor of God just based on that alone. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And let me tell you, this is how you get discernment. This is how you know, is God leading you or is it something you just felt good about that day? <laughs> if we go one more, one more verse in Ephesians, it says in verse 18, Here's the kicker, and this is what Gary did. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So 
I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to cry out as he was saying he did. And I'm going to remind him of what he promised and what he said. And I'm going to ask for that guidance in that direction. I'm certainly not going to go, hmm, let's see, which way am I going to go today? Uh, that's not how it works. If you're doing that, you're stumbling all over the place. You're like a drunkard walking on the, on the earth, a blind man groping around in the dark. So let us walk in his righteousness, which is revealed in the word. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 says, But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of Elohim, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses. These are when we're needing counsel, right? When these things are happening, we're seeking God's will. We want to know what we're supposed to do. In beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, hunger, uh, purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. And this is a key. Someone can come to me and say, you know what? This is what I hear from the Spirit. And I detect in their demeanor and their character that they are not walking in the love of God. Ooh, boy. That's a major red flag. Because if they're going to come in his name, they're coming to me in love. Because that's how the King of Kings comes. That's how the master walked when he walked, when he went to everybody. He went to everybody in love. The only time that I see that he did is when he went into the, his house and they were doing evil in the house and the anger jealousy like Phinehas rose up, which it should. But that's his jealousy. Not self-anger of, the self, uh, of what you want to do. It's he's anger and jealousy for the, the kingdom of his father. In the word of truth and the power of Elohim by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. So make a distinction between holy and profane. Stay steadfast to holiness. Be a student of the word. Be obedient. Seek counsel from those who clearly have the spirit in their lives and who are led by love. If they're not led by love, I'm sorry. I ain't going to counsel there. I know right away that's going to be the wrong one. Practice godliness. Put on the armor. This might have been the one. Exodus 30, 20. Yeah. Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way, to bring you into the place which I prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Here's what he says. Do not be rebellious toward him. Is that what David did? Wasn't he rebellious to the word? The voice? The voice said, put it on the poles. David says, let's put it on the, on the cart. That was rebellious to the word. The voice didn't say that, right? For he will not pardon your transgression since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. How many of you want him to be an enemy to your enemy? Hallelujah. <laughs> if he's an enemy to your enemy, you look around and you see all the big angels with big swords in their hand, and you're like, hallelujah, get out of my way. I'm running full blast. Now they've got to stop this, brother. <laughs> For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, all of those sites, and I will completely level them and destroy them. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Then he said to me, This is the word of Yahweh to... Z I always... I'm, I'm not even going to say the words. I mess it up every time I say it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says Yahweh Zevahot. That's, 
the way he wants his people going. That's how he wants us charging into battle. That's when he says, that saint, I'm coming to defend. I'm coming to defend that one because they're coming not by just their own mind, not by whatever they think, but they're coming by my word and they're coming by spirit and I'm going to be with them. That's where I want to be. That's the person led by the Most High. Yes. So talking about power of the Spirit, um, just going back to verse 3 in Numbers 33, um, just an observation and perhaps also a question of clarification. I noticed that on Pesach, the people of Israel went out triumphantly while the Egyptians were burying their firstborn. They were struck. So there's a contrast there of Israel going out triumphantly and then those outside, the Egyptians were struck down. Is that something that we can also expect in the second exodus? Absolutely. Absolutely. What a sign and a witness whenever the enemies are struck down, when we're joyous and moving out victoriously. Man, what a day is that going to be? What is that going to look like? Oh, my goodness. We've got a hand over here. Oh, let's see how I can wonder. So one of our favorite movies is The Hiding Place. And we watched it last night with our kids because there's so many... The new one. Yes, there's so many things in there that we absolutely love that are reminders. So one of the things that was reminded to us is if, when we go out triumphantly, maybe it's not what we're envisioning and what we're thinking. Because going out triumphantly for Corey Tinboom was she was infested with fleas. And the father showed her that in her room where they were infested with fleas is what protected them from the males that would coming come in, in and try to, to do abuse to them. them. Yeah. So sometimes we have to just walk in trust, knowing that he is leading us triumphantly. <laughs> and it may not look as we expect, but we cannot let what we see affect our faith. She basically said, look how the Most High has clothed me with the armor to keep the men from coming and violating me. He yeah. clothed me with something that would keep them away. The other important lesson we always take from this is she recalls, if you've seen it, then I'm just talking to those that already know this, but she always recalls being given, she didn't know how she was going to get on the train, and her father gave her the ticket right as she was going to step on the train. And the lesson that she brings forth in that is that continue walking the walk, knowing that at the time you need what you need, the Father will place it in your hand. Don't be discouraged if you don't have it along the way. Continue walking along the way, trusting that when I have a need, the Father is going to <laughs> place it in my hand. Yes, that is so good. That's good stuff. That's worth crying over, isn't it? <laughs> All right, John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. This word guide is this word in Greek that means to lead the way, uh, to guide, uh, guiding the blind. It's a... Uh, uh, unto fountains of living water, of guidance into the truth by the Holy Spirit. So it's to make straight the way, guiding the feet in the way of peace and the way of truth. 
It rightly translates this verb by rule the household, to guide the house, the meaning of being that of the management and direction of the household affairs, which came out in our study of uh, grace and mercy is what's going on in the house. Am I being led by the Spirit? Because if I'm led by the Spirit, then we've got direction for the house. If the community is being led by the Spirit, then the community has direction from the Father. The house is being directed. That's why he says a house divided against itself can't stand. They got two, oh, that was the scripture. How long will you dance between two opinions? That's right. Blessed be Yahweh your Elohim who delighted in you, setting you on his throne as king for Yahweh your Elohim, because your God loved Israel, your God loved Israel, establishing them forever. Therefore, he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness for them. He established them forever. So it is a statistical fact that between the feast, between the feasts are among the most emotionally charged times of the year, between Sukkot and Passover. This is one reason why we who are mature in Yahuwah must be a source of peace in potentially difficult situations. And we must keep a watchful eye on those who struggle with personal loss and loneliness and tests. We also need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit who frequently uses this time of year to confront us with the status of our relationships and awaken us to our need to improve them. He's going to give you grace and mercy. He's going to give you his truth so that you can improve on your relationships. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you. Oh, is there any last word? Anyone have any last thought or any last word before I close in prayer? Okay. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful life lessons that you're showing us today that we all can use. Little arrows in our quiver that we need for the time of battle and testing. We thank you that you enlighten us. You show us. You're showing us who you are, and you're equipping us, Father equipping us with your spirit and your word. So we thank you so much as we glorify and praise you. We give you such exaltation and magnification of you and your name. In Master Hushar's name we give thanks. Amen. Now we get to say Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.